Welcome to a new episode of the Cigar Snob Podcast. I am Nick Jimenez with Eric Caruvino. <laughs> you caught me off guard with that. Hello, y'all. And Ivan Ocampo. What's up, guys? We are also joined by Petey the Dog, who is under the table. Hey, Petey. And um, our other special guest. <coughs> are we shouting him out for real? I don't know. It sounded yes, like he sir. wanted to stay secret. Gianni Delert. Oh, there he in is. In the house. Way back there. He will be fact-checking us in real Gianni. time. He will be fact-checking us in real time and very it's loudly really in the background. Goofy start. It's a This is the best start we've had in a long time. Yes. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, a thing that these other two guys are smoking, because I'm not, because I'm a little sick. Uh, and also Pobrecito. some cigar events. Eric drinking a bunch of stuff. I ate a bunch of stuff. Uh, there's a UMUF game coming up. We're going to get into all that. And also uh, superheroes. But before that, a word from our sponsor, Drew Estate. Introducing the Herrera Esteli Brazilian Maduro, which features a dense, plantation-grown Matafina wrapper over a Connecticut River Valley broadleaf binder with fillers from Nicaragua. Showcasing the floral and earthy Brazilian Matafina tobacco with unique texture, the Herrera Esteli Brazilian Maduro is manufactured at La Gran Fabrica Drew Estate, blended by Willy Herrera, and presented in five Vitolas. It's now available at Drew Estate retailers nationwide. All right, on this episode of the podcast, we are smoking, or these guys are smoking, Hoya de Nicaragua Antaño, Connecticut or CT? They, I think they call it CT, but CT? Yeah, we know what they mean. Antaño CT. Uh, Eric, tell the people what you're smoking. About what you're smoking. Oh, you want to know? Well, first, yeah, I mean, tell, tell us, tell us all the deets, all the all the nitty gritty. Oh, you are in a you're in a good place today. All right, so it's obviously Hoya de Nicaragua. They're made in Nicaragua. Uh, it's got an Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper, and then the binder and filler are both Nicaraguan, which give the cigar a little bit more strength than a typical Connecticut. A little, little bit. A little, little bit. But uh, more a stretch. So we're smoking in uh, in Robusto, which is a five by fifty two with uh, MSRP of eight dollars and five cents. I like that's another. I like the five cent move, right? You got it. Yeah, you got to get specific for sure. Uh, so, how are you guys feeling about that cigar? It smells good. From so I just yeah, I just lit it. I think Ivan's got a little bit of a head start on me, but uh, a lot of flavors coming. A through. A lot of flavors, right? For a yeah, Connecticut, for a Connecticut, for it is, sure. It's true to form, right? Like uh, they were setting out to make a a Connecticut shade wrapped cigar that was not exactly mild and they did that and, and it works right yeah. it doesn't always work right you you'll you'll whenever someone sets out to make a, a connecticut that's a little stronger uh, it's usually like it tastes a little off balance uh, the the wrapper flavor doesn't come through because it gets overpowered by by the flavors of the filler and binder i think they managed to to nail this one so so far so good yeah, I'm really enjoying it. In terms of flavor notes, I'll come back and give you. Cool. So we will uh, revisit the cigar a little bit farther down the road. In the meantime, Eric, give us some flavor notes of your recent trip to Kentucky. Oh, man, that was awesome. So the uh, the fine folks at Maker's Mark, uh, they invited me and, a, and another uh, few journalists out to visit visit Maker's Mark with the intention of kind of showcasing this new product they have coming out called Maker's Mark RC6. Their naming conventions are terrible. You can tell that they focus more on whiskey, on making bourbon, than on, on their names. Like, for example, uh, Maker's Mark is a great name. 
Yeah. Right. And that, sure. that's one of the things, and and the packaging of it with that with the wax is iconic, and everybody recognizes it. And that yeah. was, but that was, uh, that was from the origins of the company, and so now they they their latest product before this RC six is called forty six, and that's because it was like the forty six blend that they had worked on yeah. and that's that's what i got the number and, and that was it and so this is the same kind of thing rc6 stands for research center six because it was the sixth iteration of this research. research center that's it yeah and so that's how they name things uh but the more important thing is holy crap the rc6 is outrageous we were able to taste um taste it along with all these other Blends and what I mean by blends is it's actually not a good way to say it because they're not really blends. What they are is combinations of uh, stave finishes okay. that they put in the barrel. So without getting too geeky, they'll basically take a barrel full of makers because the only thing that they ever distill at Maker's Mark is Maker's Mark, and that's it. Right. It's not like some other distilleries where they might have several brands. Other distill. It's yeah. other combinations of like the mash bill will be different, and they'll produce something else, or the distillate. Uh, maybe they'll distill on column stills and pot stills. No, this is everything that they make is Maker's Mark. Yeah. And so what differentiates Maker's Mark from 46 from RC6 is how they finish it in the barrel. So what kind of barrel, what kind of wood, and then what kind of staves they put into the barrel. And that affects uh, that affects how, how the, um, the resulting... Uh, spirit taste and it's incredible and when you say that they put staves in the barrel you don't mean that they're making a barrel from certain staves it's that they have the barrel and then staves are inserted correct extra staves extra staves in addition to obviously the the, staves for people who maybe not know the like you can call them like a plank that makes up the barrel so when you look at a barrel vertically right you have all these little planks that make it up Ivan's looking at me like you lost me I'm one of those people you lost me at (laughs) no no I'm glad that you called uh called out all the people that don't know what the fuck you were talking about okay so yeah the staves are the those planks that make up the barrel that are that are held together by that ring that metal ring so in addition to those staves that make up the barrel they put an additional like nine more staves inside the barrel to give the liquid a uh an increased contact with the wood but what they'll do is they'll do different things to it they'll cook or bake it at a different temperature, they'll do use different woods as those staves, and uh, and so those combinations are how they achieve this. So, yeah, yeah, Ivan was lost completely on that, but he's got a good picture of Ivan <laughs> listening to that. <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, really tremendous. If anyone has a, t- it's going to be a limited production at RC six, but if you have a chance uh, to taste it, highly recommend it. It will be. The best version of Maker's Mark you've ever had. It's cool. not a limited. It is release. that one, that one is going to be limited, but I you know I got the sense from talking to the master distiller uh, that if this went well and it was well received that they they'd probably do it again. That was the sense I got. It wasn't like he said that, but I got the sense like we could do that again. Yeah. So where it sounded like a fun project. Yeah. Where is uh, the distillery relative to say Louisville? So it's about. I'd say roughly about an hour and a half, an hour, hour and a half out. It's in a town called Loretto. It's really out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, but it is a sprawling property, beautiful. Uh, interesting things out there is they they have their own water source. So it's a lake that's right. on their property. 
that they maintain the lake naturally. So there's no, so they own all the land around the lake. So no pesticides ever get into the lake. Okay. So the water is, is in good shape. Uh, and so the water in that lake is, is perfect. And that's what they use to distill. That's interesting. To make, you, usually I thought it was wild. Like, usually you hear uh, of like creeks or rivers or whatever for yep. that sort of thing. I, I'm, that's the first time. Well, maybe I don't know enough. Sorry. So this is a spring-fed lake. Ah, okay. So it's not like a lake that's taking the runoff. From the it's a spring-fed lake, uh, but pretty neat that that was the the water that that's used to make Maker's Mark. Yeah, it's all and they don't add anything to it; they just filter it. Yeah, so water comes in from the lake, they filter it, and it goes straight into the nice the distillation or Very the. Cool. Uh, Did you get to do anything the in Louisville? So we got to hang out at night in Louisville because during the day we were at Maker's, but. Uh, so we hung out. We went very little, though. We ate at 610, which is Ed Lee's restaurant, and that was amazing. Uh, they had Ed these little, fo- yes, they had these little foie gras bites that were stupid good. If, you, if you're ever in town yeah. and can get a reservation there, just go for that. <laughs> Those are awesome. If you can get a reservation. Yeah, yeah. It's like that, Well, it's huh? small. It's Holy small and, and really well-respected in Louisville. And uh, and then we also ate. So I, we stayed at Twenty One C, which is right in Whiskey okay. Row. Yeah. And the restaurant on site was also very good. Called Proof on Main. Uh, so that was excellent too. So we hung out there, uh, six ten, and we went to, I think it was a Silver Dollar Bar or something like that, where we just, that's where we ended the night. Uh, just getting hammered at that point. That was just gratuitous drinking. So. Uh, but we had, man, it was an awesome time, and, and they, they were great hosts. Met some really cool people. So the only thing I didn't get to do, because Louisville is not the most cigar-friendly town, uh, I, didn't get to, I didn't get to smoke a cigar. Hmm. So Maker's Mark on property, it's, an, it's a non-smoking campus, tobacco-free campus. So couldn't smoke there. And then you'd have to, like, walk down the street and smoke a cigar okay. if you wanted to smoke. So there yeah. wasn't, like, a place I could just hang out and smoke. Uh, and I didn't rent a car or anything. I was picked up and taken, so I didn't have the means to like move around and go find a cigar bar. Yeah. But uh, but other than that, it was an awesome visit. So you would not have found one because remember well, we did that. I could have gone story. across the river, but, across yeah. the river and across the state. Yeah. Uh, across state lines, uh, and that's where everybody in Louisville goes to uh, to go and smoke. Churchill Downs. No. you you can't smoke at churchill downs but yeah my days were taken up by maker's mark so no 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 i get it he's saying that you'd have to go across state lines or something no i think if you're at churchill downs like during an event and like you're outdoors Uh i've never been i don't know yeah like maybe if you're in an outdoor area and but you're not going to just go to churchill downs to smoke because there's no there's nothing like outside unless you're there for a race but they have a restaurant there right but it's all indoors okay so so um, I didn't even get to call up my buddy Jason. Uh, right, Jason Lois. Jason Lois, who we've had here on the podcast. That's right. We'll put a link in the podcast page. There you go. So, yeah, to hear his uh, his episode. But I didn't even get to call him. Uh, he knew I was there, but there was just no time to do anything. Yeah. Other than drink. <laughs> Which, Which is, you know, that's a good yeah, way to yeah. spend your time. Uh, so, Eric, are you the only one at the table who's been to Rocky Mountain Cigar Festival? I think so. Yeah, so Yamile is now with Razor Ramon uh, in Colorado, and they are there for the Rocky Mountain Cigar Festival, which actually came up in our last episode toward the end of our conversation with Skip Martin. But you've been before. Tell the people. I love it. I love that festival. Uh, it's, uh, 
it's one of my favorite cigar festivals in the country right now. Uh, they've done the the guys from Smoker Friendly have done such an awesome job. There's live music. It's every cigar company you can imagine is basically there, and uh, and the weather's always beautiful at this time of year in Colorado. It's super bright, uh, warm during the day, but then nice and cool at night. So really, the the people, the people, the cigars that you get uh, when you buy your ticket to Rocky Mountain, it's a bag full of cigars. Uh, the drinks, there's all kinds of craft breweries and uh, distilleries there it's really well well done uh, it's at the omni interlocking in uh, broomfield mm-hmm. if you're listening to this now the the event actually goes off tomorrow so if you're in that area highly recommend it and if you're not it's and a you damn follow good time it, get on instagram and follow jay calvino that's right uh and yamilet will be i'm sure she'll uh, be posting for sure yeah, because chronicling. we yeah we didn't uh we didn't get a booth at the festival this year we didn't feel uh, there was a need since we're gonna, all those all the magazines are going to be in the bags. Right. So she's going to be just walking around, taking pictures of people and hanging out. So so for sure she's going to be posting. Okay. So uh, moving on to a non cigar, non really anything that's going to be in the magazine topic, uh, and another topic that I have no authority on. The two of you, just go. U M U F tomorrow. Oh, Gators, man. Hurricanes. First game of the season. First, Yeah, it's like week zero, which I think is funny. To, it's about time. Man, I miss football. I know, I know. And uh, so, like, the entire football fandom uh, in this country is going to be watching that game. So that's going to be exciting. Uh, I, I, think, I think it could be fun for us Canes fans. It could also be disastrous. Yeah, I hope they don't flop. <laughs> so uh, the, the last I'm, I'm game psyched. I attended was on New Year's Eve in Yankee Stadium, oh, and God. they got – walloped yeah so i'm hoping the broadsided i hope the results are going to be much better yeah i think i think it's going to be a fun game i think that uh this different coaching staff helps a lot i think having a a guy like manny diaz with the energy and excitement that he brings and the as you said earlier out of the box thinking he's not he's not your typical uh coach he's not that like he's kind of like the anti-mark rick right mark rick in an interview looked like he was sleepwalking through the interview, right, everything he said was, well, you know, we're going to... It was all very slow like yeah, that. Yeah. And Manny Diaz is just an energetic, uh, just fireball. So I think... Uh, I'm excited, man. I can't wait. Are it's they going to unveil any new jewelry for this? Oh, I think so. Oh, well, really? Well, we hope so, right? So turnover chain. Right. Yeah, there's a, there's a new one. Something. He said there was a new one, and he hinted at potentially having something for the offense, like a touchdown chain or something. I, he hinted at it. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that, that's Nick. I'm not interested. Interesting voice. Uh, hey, hey, hey. So do you want to throw out predictions here? You want to throw out score just for, for the fun of it so we can check back in next week, see who, who uh, came closer? Hmm. I'm going to go – I'm a homer. I just okay. like I, It's hard for me to, to not be a homer. Even though on last year's game against LSU, I did have a sense that we were, we were going to lose. Uh, not by not by as much as we did, but I did have a sense. I'm going. Uh, I'm going. Twenty-one sixteen. Ivan Canes. Canes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I can't go. help it. I, like I said, I'm, I'm a homer. I just I have a hard time. Twenty-one twenty Gators. Twenty-one twenty Gators. And then I'm not going to take a guess here because I'm. Totally or you can because it's ju- you're as good as anyone else. I'll go seven nothing. There you go. Ooh. Skunk. I'll go Canes. Skunk. Seven nothing Canes. Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah. That defense just, just came to say strong. Something. Yeah. 
How about this? I'm going to just throw this out there. I think it'll not, it will not meet any uh, 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 resistance. How about if somebody tweets before kickoff to at Cigar Snob Mag, the correct final score, we'll send them a shirt. Oh, yeah. Well, one entry per person. Yes, one per person. Yeah. And if you do multiple, we're going with your first one. Correct. So, and fr- if from you now, guess the correct score, you can come on in uh, all of our sports episodes and give a prediction. Yeah, and give a prediction, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, from now till kickoff, yeah. you have... At kickoff uh, is the cutoff. Yeah, at kickoff, you... you you have no more chance. That's it. You're done. But uh, but yeah. So from now to to kickoff, tweet us your prediction. There you go. All right. And just for that game, don't go predicting every game. Yeah, that game. So okay. you got to say the winner and then the score. So you know what my prediction is, is that you're about to hear a word from episode sponsor, El Galang mm. Cigars. El Galang Cigars, the company behind. You talk about core, El Galang Cigars. El Galang Cigars. Its core El Galang line, Doña Nieves, and extensions of both brings you Vegas del Purial. Vegas del Purial is an homage to El Galang founder Felix Mesa's paternal grandparents Felipe and Caridad Mesa, who grew tobacco in the Cuban province of Las Villas as well as their farm. The cigar is made at El Galang's Esteli factory and features an Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper, Nicaraguan fillers, a new hybrid tobacco called FFMC for the binder. It'll be, it is available in four Vitolas Robusto, which is a 5x50, a 5.5x52 Bellicoso, a 7x38 Lancero, a 6 and 3 quarters by 52 Super Toro. The cigars range in price from $8.90 to $10 each. Find them online at elgalangcigars.com or on social media, El Galang Cigars, El Galang Cigars, El Galang Cigars. Okay, so Trump wants to buy Greenland. And all of Greenland is laughing. And all of Greenland is laughing. <laughs> However, uh, okay, so what are your thoughts? Do we want Greenland or no? I'll take a Greenland. I'll take can, one. Can you play golf there? I don't think so. No. No? No. no uh, so no Trump National Greenland? No. I, I mean, unless he, unless he's predicting that the like the polar ice caps are going to melt or something, and then Greenland he will actually be, be green. Um, Maybe that's his prediction. How cheap is it? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, that's we all mixed, the information we have. Yeah, we've gone through everything we I know about I will say that he's not the first president to talk about buying Greenland. I heard about that. So it is a, a, another case of people freaking out and treating something as extra ridiculous because Trump said it. It may be ridiculous, but if it is ridiculous, it's not extra out of the ordinary ridiculous for Correct. whatever that's worth. Uh, I think it was like Truman talked about buying Greenland right. and somebody else. I forget who. Uh, and, yeah, the the Danes, I guess, uh, are not interested. Yeah, they're chuckling at all of this. And, of course, what ends up happening is Trump being very Trumpy on Twitter, uh, saying all kinds of Trumpy things. So uh, I wonder if after he's in office, we'll still call things Trumpy. I think so. I, I do will. too. I do too. Yeah. I, I think that Trumpy will just go into the lexicon straight in. For sure. Uh, yeah, so there's that. That's just to inform everybody. Trump, Trump wants to buy Greenland. So just keep an eye public, out. Uh, you know, get your passports. Uh, throw away your passports because everybody knows you wanted to go to Greenland and you're not going to need it anymore. So we're fine. Yeah. Okay. You're welcome. Walk right in. Thanks. The Premium Cigar Association uh, put out How are you a little gonna bit of you going to segue this? Yeah. No, that's the segue. That's the segue right there. Um so Trump, Trump's offer to buy Greenland was turned down by the Danes. Right. The PCA's attempt at, uh, right. at having a consumer day was shot down by the manufacturers. By, by everybody. <laughs> yeah, basically everybody. <laughs> uh, so this from an email. Uh, uh, by the way, you're welcome release. for that. Yes, that thank, you. For thank you. Thank uh, you. 
this uh, from an email, a uh, little snippet from the Premium Cigar Association, which, again, used to be the IPCPR. You want to set it up first, though, because okay. I think if you read this, yeah. uh, maybe they won't have an understanding. Sure. So, uh, so the IPCPR, which is now the Premium Cigar Association. Which is the trade organization Correct. for the cigar industry. Primarily for the retailers. Correct. It's um, uh, International Premium Cigar and Pipe Retailer. Right, right, right. Is what IPCPR stands for. So they put out a statement that includes other things, but at this last trade show in July, the word on the show floor was that next year's trade show would include a day up front that was just for consumers. So sort of a cigar festival. I think they were talking about calling it Cigar Fest. They were calling Cigar Con. Cigar Con, I'm sorry, yeah. a convention. So uh, so you were going to go dress like a cigar. Like a furry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. A furry cigar. Thing, <laughs> dress like a cigar furry. Uh, a moldy, a moldy, moldy cigar. <laughs> Why is it got to be moldy? Yeah, because it could be furry maybe and I go, moldy. Yeah, no, maybe I go Candela, maybe we, maybe we furry call, Candela. Maybe we call them Toothies. <laughs> Bunch of toothies roaming around. The, I like the that. I think that we could still do this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, in fact, let's 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 cigar snob. Yeah, uh, take that over. Take that. Yeah, run exactly. with that idea. Um, there was. Uh, I. You know what I find interesting is that we saw some a mixed bag. There was a mixed bag of reactions from. Yeah, overwhelmingly negative, but mixed bag. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it seems like it was overwhelmingly negative enough. Especially with the big guys, right? Which and are they, the ones that really grease those wheels. Exactly, and and the PCA is backing off. So uh, this is the relevant paragraph from their email statement. Our goal in announcing Cigar Con at 2019 trade show was to elicit feedback and have the conversation surrounding a, com- a consumer event, said PCA President John Anderson. Excuse me. We have been active uh, in active listening mode and have taken all the industry feedback and have really adjusted many of the logistics surrounding the event. With all of that in mind and in consultation with our manufacturing partners, we ultimately came to the conclusion that setting the goal for 2021 was the optimal time frame. In other words, just never kidding. Mind. We're not yeah, doing it. Never mind. Uh, and we're just <laughs> yeah. setting the goal, which I also I find it crazy that the way to get that feedback and generate that conversation was to make Announce- an announcement I know. that it was going to happen. Like, that's not, that doesn't seem cool. They made an announcement without having uh, any of the details you'd need to have, like how much will consumers pay, how many consumers, what will manufacturers have to do. Uh, so they, they made that quote-unquote uh, announcement to elicit feedback in the form of like, this is happening announcement. Uh, and it was it was not well received at really all. Pissed some people off too. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, there was people who who uh, who didn't reserve. So the the way that it works is when you're at IPCPR or what it will now be called PCA. Uh, when you're at the trade show, you reserve your spot for next year before the end of this trade show. And so some of the big guys didn't even reserve their spot for next year. So they. Normally, they leave the trade show this year with deposits for next year's, and I imagine that it it didn't go very well. I, not that we matter because we're tiny; we have a, a very small booth. But we we didn't reserve our spot. I wasn't going to give a deposit on something that I didn't know if it was even going to happen. Right. So, uh, so I'm I'm glad that they that they did this at the same time. Uh, I don't know, I don't know for how much longer this is going to be viable. Yeah, I mean, I've because it's just declining. It's declining uh, attendance year after yeah. year. Yeah, I mean, I've I've mentioned on the podcast before. I think this is a an event that, at least in its current form, has outlived its usefulness a long time ago. 
Um, is that where you are, Ivan? That's what I hear from everybody. But you is know, that the, the, the way that you feel about the, it? Or? Yeah, like when you go, do you feel like this makes sense? No need to change things. Again, I, it all depends on what type of sales numbers these retailers are. Or well, I mean, these manufacturers. And, that, are and that's a good and, point. And from the from what I hear from these guys, most of these people are making sales before the show, Correct. after the show. So then, what's the point of everybody spending right. money and well, getting out there? No, but it, but but if it wasn't, if the big guys like Mon- Altidus and General and Davidoff and Drewst and Swisher International weren't if the show wasn't worth it for them financially they would not be doing it yeah they just wouldn't so clearly it is worth it for them right they've they've figured out how to squeeze that money right um the ones that i think are suffering the most are the smaller guys the smaller guys get very little traction because the few guys that are there are at those big booths right uh and so clearly it still works we can say that it's outlived its its relevance or its usefulness but once it really does, those guys will stop pumping money into it. But I think you also see fewer small brands showing up each year. Correct, which I think is why we have this declining trend because there's not that much excitement. But what I mean, right? though, is like it's, it's outlived its usefulness in the sense that if, if you're a retailer, I don't know, I'm not a retailer, but I imagine that if I were a retailer, the, the draw, even like when I started with the magazine, my first trade show six years ago, there, you really did go and feel like the entire realm of possibility of what i could stock in my stores here to the to the point of uh where if you weren't at the show before as a manufacturer you would say what what's wrong yeah, with them what are you doing are, yeah. are, are you serious are these, about this yeah, business yeah, yeah are yeah. you still selling cigars now it's very Whereas much now like it's a, like maybe it's not good business for them to even be there for exactly yep. yeah so uh anyway so we'll see what that but, ends up looking but again like. the the yeah the ones that make this happen are the guys that come in and buy the 30 plus booths right yeah. right those are the ones that that are that matter in this conversation. Because if you have six of those, uh, those account for thirty. You know, each one of those counts for thirty of the little guys. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so clearly, it still works for for most of those companies. But how much longer it works is the question, right? Yeah. Because as as you start to have less and less of the little guys, because it's not worth it for them to come, then you're attendance continues to decline and continues to decline so at some point it stops being worth it but right now clearly it still is so um a little bit of a hard shift you know what has not outlived its usefulness is mexico city as a food town world-class food city uh as we mentioned on a previous episode of the podcast uh andy our art director and i were there and uh we ate a bunch of food in a span of like i don't know 60 hours or so uh we got in roughly midday on a Wednesday, and we're out of there by the Friday afternoon. And by the way, you were there that short amount of time because you felt that you could tackle everything you needed to do in that amount of time. It it's, wasn't for any other reason, which I found interesting. I kept telling you, don't you need one more day? And you're like, no, no, no. I got it. It's You don't need that much. Yeah, it's it's just there's so much packed into even any one given neighborhood. And also the fact that it's a, it was a foreign trip, and so you know we don't want to... Uh, spend more time there than we're actually able to do anything with for the purposes of the travel story. And it's going to require a little bit more setup about, like, well, you know, some of the story will be dedicated to letting you, the reader, in this case the listener, know a little bit about the cigar scene, which, you know, if we were to go to, like, Chicago, there's not as much that's going to feel foreign about the way that the cigar scene functions there and all and that. that and that's fair, yeah. And, and the reason I brought that up is yeah. is to is to point out that 
you did feel like you could take care of it, and it, and you did. Yeah, yeah. We're usually we're usually in a place seventy two hours or more. Uh, yeah. But uh, but anyway, so uh, we're not going to recap the whole trip. Well, I'm sure over the course of you know a few episodes, we'll we'll touch on different things about it. But uh, what we'll talk about now is the meal that I had at Quintonil, which on the list of the world's 50 best restaurants is number 22. So uh, we were... That was the 2017 list. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Slow the horn. Slow the horn. That was the 2017 list. But it's pretty... But it's on there pretty consistently uh, in in some spot or another. Who who manages that list? You know, it's not like... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who manages... And there's it. So who does the world's 50 best? I think like that's... I don't know what the name of the organization is, but I think that's... The world's 50 best. And they have like a big thing. So the... um, I think that Chef's Table is based exclusively on restaurants that are on that 50 best list. I think. If not... Like, it's something they always mention. Like, the, the first thing they say about the restaurant is where it ranked on the world's 50 best list. And these chefs all go to their, like, annual awards thing and... and is Versailles on the list? Versailles, <laughs> I think, was, like, number three last year. Okay, so then, yeah. It's yes. an incredible list. <laughs> on little Havana's best croquetas list. Yes. Um, but, no, we were there with, uh, with Alejandro Suarez, who uh, you'll learn a, l- a little bit more about. Uh, not only in that travel story, but in an upcoming episode of the podcast. Um, or actually, we could even drop that here. Cause what an amazing guy he is, huh? It's it's not what a, a good dude. Yeah, it's not a super long interview. So if anything, we can actually just drop it here at the end of at the end of this podcast. Uh, okay. When we sign off, I think that'll be a cool thing. Um, just do it. <laughs> let's do it. Uh, that's a little inside. Uh, yeah. Inside baseball. No there. one got that. Uh, but anyway, so Quintonil is a place that we went to on his recommendation after another place down the street called Pujol, which was number it's, 20. It's also on the list. list. Yeah, I saw that. What do all these names mean? Uh, I, Quintonil, I forget what exactly, but it's a it's a plant. Okay. Um, Pujol is somebody's last name. I imagine so, yeah. Okay. Um, so anyway, uh, Quintonil, we did the um, uh, tasting menu there, which it seems like it varies, if not day-to-day, week-to-week. Um and I will run through the many course tasting menu that we did, doing my best to translate on the fly here. Um, okay, why, why don't you pick some highlights? Okay, so for me, one of the highlights was uh, almost right up front, which was a little piece of mame, uh, roughly the size of like a small piece of uh, of sashimi. Uh, so mame is a sort of a bright red tropical fruit, very common in. in in the Caribbean, especially among Cubans, right? But Mexicans somewhat fleshy, somewhat tropical fleshy. Fruit, yeah. So it was a little, it was a little piece, like a little nugget. We of don't mame. know how mame in English. Uh, you can I'm, keep I'm talking. Sure. I'll look it up. Was there and anything that wasn't a little piece on the menu? Because I looked at shrimp, some pictures that the shrimp all was enormous. Little. You, you really? might not be able to tell in the picture, but the shrimp was huge. It was, and it wasn't a langostino. It wasn't a yeah. It wasn't a langostino. It was a it was a giant like deep sea shrimp. Huh. Uh, cool. And that like the there was nothing in the head. Uh, but the tail was like the length of your hand. Wow. Uh, and that was awesome. That shrimp was great. Um, but the mame was a little piece, and then it's, it was uh, grilled, so like seared on, on top, and sliced very, very thin with a little bit of caviar and then kind of like a, uh, a um, honey, kind of a honey mayonnaise sort of. like a, a, a Honey mayonnaise? Not, not mayonnaise, but kind of a mayonnaise texture. It might even oh. have been a... Um, yeah, it says uh, crema de rancho. So, yeah, it was basically like a, a, a white sauce with a little sweetness from the honey. Crema de rancho sounds like just ranch dressing. It sounds like ranch dressing. <laughs> yeah, that may be what it was. It was a fancy ranch dressing with a little bit of uh, of, of honey in there. Um, I don't like um, avocados, but the avocado tacos, 
so they uh, serve you uh, you know a quarter of an avocado, and it looks like the skin is on there. You might have seen the picture that I put. Yep. Um, but that's not the skin. So it's peeled, and then they cover it in uh, chili powder, and that gets burned. Oh, and it looks yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So that was really cool, and and it's got like a little bit of a kick from that. That shrimp. By the way, mame, mame uh, in English. Uh, there's not a real a uh, good name for it because sapote. Mammy. Sapote is is another word to say uh, another okay. way to say it in Spanish, but uh, so I guess people may say sapote, sapote. Well, maybe sapote. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> how they would sapote. say that, but that's the that's the translation. Mame is sapote. <laughs> sapote. What's up? Sapote? <laughs> Sounds like a nickname for a friend of yours from high school. True right? sapote. Um, yeah, and then uh, just to name one other highlight, the dessert, which actually seems like a thing that. I might attempt at home. It would not be as good at all. Uh, but it was like a, a pumpkin puree, not totally different from like a pumpkin pie filling. Um, just kind of put on the plate as, as like a little kind of disc shape. And then um, uh, like pan seared or something, uh, pumpkin seeds with then a, a very small scoop uh, of, of, ice cream. of vanilla ice cream. But yeah, vanilla ice cream with a uh, little pumpkin puree and pumpkin seeds for for crunch, pretty awesome. And didn't. But well, also, it looks to hear like it's a like a honey drizzle or something on it. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there was a bit of a yeah, there was a, a honey drizzle over it. But that was great. That was um, and didn't seem like at least like a poor man's version would be difficult to put together at home. A lot of the rest of this stuff between finding the ingredients and and all the rest next to impossible. Do you have any like crazy good moles? So a few of these dishes had moles with them. So, for example, the... that's um, like on, on high Mexican cuisine or haute cuisine, yeah. you'll, have, uh, you'll have these really high-end moles. So I was all, uh, that's what I would be down for. Yeah, so there was a, a, one of the... And again, I don't like mushrooms. This thing was awesome. It was a, a toast that they served you with um, uh, mole and uh, mushrooms. And that was awesome. But, it didn't uh, sound awesome. It was pretty awesome. Because you just said it's toast with mole and mushrooms. The toast was great, <laughs> and the mole was great, and the mushrooms were great. Uh, so for whatever that's worth. Um, is that is that meal on on uh, on an expense account? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. It How is, much was that? It is. Um, so um, I wanna, uh, no, no, I, I want to say it was like a I want to say it was like 120 bucks a head. 120 bucks a head. Yeah. Wow. So, so there's that. Hmm. 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 Research. You probably should have gone to Chili's. Yeah. For what it's worth, <laughs> most of the meals were like three bucks a head. So, you know, it all balances out somewhere okay. or another. Um, and we were also meeting with Alejandro. This was, uh, you know, this was a business meeting as well. This was it's travel true. research and it's business true. meeting. Because um, we travel so much that we max out all of our <laughs> IRS uh, credits on all of those categories. But no, I mean, this, this really was I, uh, for like uh, one of those. This, I would say, was... Top five meal. Yeah? Well, so you would consider it like a life-changing Mexican cuisine I, meal? Absolutely. And, and not only that, I think if you're an out-of-towner, uh, and I don't know, because Mexico is such a good And honestly, food town, 120 per person for something at that level, not right. that big a deal. And I think on top of that... Don't get ideas about your next trip, but... Right, right, right. No, but it's, it's not something that I would do if I were like in, say, anywhere in the U.S. almost. But in Mexico, and this place in particular, it I think part of the value is also that you're... Um, it's a very Mexican tasting menu, right? So it's very elevated, but very Mexican at the same time. And you do feel like you're learning something about Mexican food broadly. 
right? So it's not like if I went to New York and I just did a tasting menu at some steakhouse where they bring you, oh, here's a scallop and here's a piece of shrimp or whatever. Like yeah. that, that can be cool, but you're not learning a whole lot about the place where you are. In this case, you come out of there feeling like, oh, shit, I'm going to appreciate the taco I eat on the street more because I kind of get it better now. And when I walk through a, a market and I see all these weird things that I don't get at home, I sort of understand like, oh, this is like the ultimate thing that can be done with all that stuff. So it was a cool, it was a very cool experience, kind of like uh, I would put it up there with a similar meal that I had in South Africa where, you know, I was having ingredients that I never would have had before and you're having this very, uh, you know, sort of like rich, uh, uh, I'm trying to blank on what the word is for this, but... Uh, hmm. Rich culinary experience? I don't know. I was going to say like that it teaches you things. There's a word for this. Anyway, you're learning shit. Um, Edification? Yeah, maybe edifying. Edifying experience. There you go. Uh, so yeah, highly recommend. Nick, if, Nick is not on his game today. Yeah, no. If, if you're in, this if you're allergy in, thing that he's got going on is really yeah setting him back. But if you're in Mexico City, Quintonil definitely do that. Uh, did you Did you get to eat any? Let's get to the fun stuff. Did yeah. you eat any grasshoppers or crickets or any or, of those things like so, that? So yeah. one of uh, at least one of the sauces here was made with uh, like ground ants. Okay, I'm down with that. So that was you know that was I like ants. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> you like turtles. I like turtles. <laughs> uh, but besides Quintonil, when you were out and about, you didn't try any. No, I so would I would have hit up a like a roasted cricket or something. I would have eaten one of those things. If those know, people on the street eat it all the time, I would have no. eaten it. No, hell no. I would have so eaten it. I didn't see I didn't see that kind of thing around. I'm sure there. I'm sure like it's in those available. markets that you went to. I went through some of those markets. I, I didn't see a lot of that stuff around. I'm sure that maybe it was there like as an ingredient, but in terms of like what was being prepared, I am momento. Maybe I just missed it. Um, but for example, we were with our uh, former special forces uh, bodyguard driver guy, Mexican special forces. Yeah, right. Um, and he took us, for instance, to uh, La Casa de Toño, which is like a, a chain borderline fast foody place. But that was cool because that, their specialty is the pozoles, so it's a corn based soup. Uh, and that was pretty good. Like I would never have, if I wasn't from around there, I wouldn't have thought like, oh, this is the place to go. But if you're in Mexico city and it's late night and you need to fill your gut cause you've been drinking too much mezcal or whatever it is, La Casa de Toño for like a cheap, hearty corn and chicken soup. Pretty great. Um, cool. So, you know, we did some things that were, we, we tried to keep it like, Hey, let's do what locals might be doing, but we didn't quite get super exotic outside of Quintonil just by coincidence. Cause we didn't, uh, I don't, we didn't happen to come across a lot of that stuff. Um, so, uh, all right, we'll move on from that, but I'm sure in other episodes we will revisit the Mexico City trip and keep in mind that the next issue of the magazine will include uh, the travel story that is coming out of that trip. Uh, Spider-Man. Tell me about Spider-Man. Nick. So Spider-Man's future in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is in question. Ooh. Basically, Sony owns the rights to the character, and so because they've had a partnership uh, for a certain amount of time with Marvel Studios, uh, this guy, who's been Spider-Man for the last few movies, has been Spider-Man for the last few movies, and now that deal is very much up in the air. It hasn't been renewed. So who knows? What's At the moment, they may no start, more Spider-Man? For the moment, no more Spider-Man. Or if they do a Spider-Man, uh, it'll have to be, you know, de- depending on how long it takes them to renew the deal, you figure if they bring in a new actor, they may have to restart that timeline. All you'll have to watch Uncle Ben die all over again. You'll have to do the whole thing, watch him get bitten for like do, the fiftieth time. So I don't, I don't know much about that, but does it bother you when they recreate these storylines? 
uh, on these on these comic book characters? On anything, it, it happens. Well, I know, every... but it happens all the time on comic book characters. Well, but what they do you, what re- do you mean by recreate them? Wow, they'll have Spider Man, and then they'll have the Amazing Spider Man, and then they'll have the Spider Man Triple Verse or whatever they called that other thing, uh, which, by the way, I enjoyed. But uh, but I mean, when they like, for example, with the Avengers, they create this group, the Avengers, and and then they keep creating new storylines out of it. Um, they keep changing the way that these different teams were composed, and and none of it it stops making sense to me. Like I I. I, I I know it sounds silly to be a purist yeah, yeah. on something that's a comic book that was made for kids. I get that, but but that, but I find it like uh, I find it lazy, and that's what bothers me about it is that it's lazy writing. If I can just rewrite the storyline or the origin story, or if I can rewrite all these things, then what do I what do I need the character for? It's just to sell tickets. Yeah. So I'm just creating a new storyline with new things, but I'm just I'm gonna put it on this. I'm gonna put it on Batman this time because. Batman sells tickets or whatever. And that bothers me, the laziness of it. So it's, I will it say... It feels like... Uh, <clears throat> sorry, it feels like... Uh, what is the the movie with the, uh, with Vin Diesel? Oh, Fast and Furious. Fast and Furious. Which is just, they just keep creating these goofy, lazy storylines that mean nothing. And it's just to sell tickets. That that bothers me. I'm not, I'm not into that. I get it. Gratuitous, fun action. I get that, but... I feel like I'm just being like they're just squeezing my pocket, and I, I don't enjoy that. I'd rather if you're gonna squeeze my if you're gonna get my money, then I'd like you to put a little bit more effort into it. Does Star Wars stick with their storyline? So Star Wars was a, originally a set of stories, and then they've just kept going. So no, they're so, so they, no. they've kind of just kept going down that path now. But I still I, I don't think I feel crazy about it. Once Disney bought it, all kinds of things changed, right? Like they created the Han Solo movie. That has a bunch of stuff in there, but it still kind of felt okay. And again, I'm, I may be full of it right now, but it feels okay because you just didn't know that about that character. Right. They didn't change who he was or what he did. They just added in the story that you were missing because you didn't know what he did as a young man, right? So that kind of makes sense for me, and I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm more okay with it than just making up a whole new thing. That happened parallel to what this guy was really doing on the comic books. So it I will say, silly to me. most of this stuff, it does have its roots in the comic books. But even in the comic book, I mean, you got to figure how old is this Spider-Man character? I, I know that's why I said it sounds goofy to be a purist on that. But well, but even but even the comic books, right? Have like so the Spider Verse thing is based on a comic book thing. But what they've done in the comic books is done things like okay, Peter Parker gets old, he leaves his uniform to some half Puerto Rican kid in Brooklyn, and now that's the new Spider Man. Green Lantern, there have been like five or six of them. But to your point, I think that they have a, like a lot of the last several years, from what little I know about how nerds have been reacting to this stuff, they've been happier with because there was a long stretch of time, like all those Toby Maguire years where he was Spider Man. Yep. Marvel didn't know any of that. And they, they, that wasn't a product of even a partnership with Sony. Sony owned the character, and they were basically just churning out movies. So like that Venom movie that nobody seemed to like, yep. that was totally outside of the Marvel Studios stuff. And there, there was like three different Hulks and four different Spider-People and whatever. Um, you know, I mean, but yeah, at the, at the end of the day, they got to sell you tickets. You know, they're going to find ways to... Uh, I'm good, but let's get creative and, and, and yeah. do something either within the, the realm of that character or a, or a brand new character. I got no problem with it. Ivan, you who, just got to put your effort who into Who do you want to see them not mess with? 
Listen, I don't even listen to music lyrics, so I'm definitely not paying paying attention. Uh, you to just how woke, you just woke him up to see how, how consistent they are with storylines from <laughs> from one Avenger movie to the next. I, I really don't watch many. Do you have one that you've liked? Oof. I, I've I've watched most of the Batman. Those are uh, good. Those are good, but not a lot of the Avengers. The Christian maybe Bale a, ones. Maybe a couple of the Iron Man, uh, but that's about it. And I saw the I saw the uh, Spider Man uh, animation one into the Spider Verse into the Spider Verse, which was great. It was yeah. very very different. That was fun I and enjoyed. enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, but I I have two boys, uh, thirteen and eleven. So this thing comes up all the time. Yeah. These movies, and sometimes sometimes you're sitting there and you're like, wait a minute, what? Uh, what's happening here? Wait a minute, that doesn't fall into the story. So where, where do kids their age land on the Marvel DC thing? Like, are they into the Wonder Woman, Superman? I don't know. Uh, they they love all of the Avengers stuff. At least my kids. Every if there's an Avengers fart game, they want to watch it. Ooh. If there's Avengers, whatever I would, I would whatever is that. Avengers, they want. I think hold Gianni on, has on. something to say. Wait, here, hold on. Oh, Gianni's Gianni's on board because Gianni has a. How old's your son? Thirteen as well. Fifteen, and he loves the Avengers. And uh, what's the guy with the glove? Uh, Thanos. Thanos. He's, he's all a Thanos over fan. It. Yes, he he's all over it. He loves the. He's constantly theorizing. You're going to stick that in my mouth? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, but he's he's all over it. And all his friends are all over it. Um, but, yeah, the, the, I think that age range really yeah. enjoys the storyline because they, I don't, they haven't read the comic books. Right, right, right. It's all new for them. Yep. Completely. Yeah. So. so. Thanks for chiming in. <laughs> hey, how about that, that cigar? Was, that was Johnny Delerta. How about that cigar? That's what I was going to say next. Tell, uh, tell us about how you're doing with the CT. It's it's been extremely consistent. Yeah, uh, this is Hoya de Nicaragua, is, Antaño CT. Yep, and it's uh, so what I'm getting is that traditional Nicaraguan earthiness and soft pepper. So it's not a, like a it's not a sharp pepper. It's a nice like rounded pepper note. Uh, but then it's complemented by like a creamy vanilla character coming off of the wrapper. That's uh, so you know, there's only so much you can do with a with a Connecticut, right? You, you're not going to get all this craziness, but really well done. I uh, I'm really enjoying it. If I were to be smoking this blindfolded, I couldn't tell you it was a Connecticut wrapper on this because I'm getting a lot of like what True. you said, all yeah. this Nicaraguan a good point. profile, which I get a lot of uh, red pepper, uh, nuts, cedar, uh, but then there's smoothness, which I'm getting from this Connecticut wrapper. Yeah, like wrapper. a creaminess. It's very nice. Good stuff. All right, so uh, maybe we'll come back to that. Uh, but before we come back with maybe some more cigar notes and our parting recommendations, a word from episode sponsor, Drew Estate. Introducing the Herrera Esteli Brazilian Maduro, which features a dense plantation-grown Matafina wrapper over a Connecticut River Valley broadleaf binder with fillers from Nicaragua. Showcasing the floral and earthy Brazilian Matafina tobacco with unique texture, the Herrera Esteli Brazilian Maduro is manufactured at La Gran Fabrica Drew Estate, blended by Willy Herrera, and presented in five Vitolas. It's now available at Drew Estate retailers nationwide. Okay, and as always, we are ending this episode with our parting recommendations. Again, before jumping to our uh, brief interview with Alejandro Suarez. Uh, Ivan, what are you letting the people know they should, uh, they should do? Okay, so I've been watching Hard Knocks on HBO. <laughs> which the Raiders are featured, which I love. But that's not what I'm going to recommend. I caught uh, the that's first a episode. Backhanded. 
Backhanded, Backhanded second one. recommendation, right? Yeah. Uh, I caught the, the first e- episode of The Righteous Gemstones, which is Danny McBride's and John Goodman's uh, new TV series uh, where they're this televangelist family with a bunch of power and, you know, they're corrupt. And, oh, that and, sounds awesome. Oh, and it's all Danny McBride. So if you're like a big fan of like Eastbound and Down yeah, and that yeah. type of comedy, I mean, this is right nice. up your alley. This is awesome. So check it out. So Righteous Gemstones. Yeah, I am going to check that out. I didn't know about this. So I'm going to recommend uh, that you go back one episode and listen to our interview with Skip Martin of Romacraft Tobacco. Skip was uh, in town to meet with uh, the cigar industry's, I don't know if I'm going too far to say favorite attorney, one of the cigar industry's favorite attorneys. Oh, heck yeah. He's the uh, industry's favorite attorney. Yeah, industry's favorite attorney. In terms of like uh, what what law firm has more cigar industry clients than Frank Herrera? Yeah, so Frank Herrera uh, brought Skip around here. And uh, so we spent some time with him on the mic. And, uh, yeah, go back and listen to that if you're at all interested in Romacraft, whether you're a big fan or you're, you know, newcomer or haven't smoked them and you want to know a little bit more about it, that's uh, that's the thing to do. Eric? So, you know, with the Hurricanes game coming up, right, you are you get to the point that you're like, man, I just want to see some football, and I, I hate preseason football. So you can only watch about a quarter's worth of it. And so I got I got a little bit, like, jonesing for football. After work, and so I started watching Netflix's Last Chance You. Enjoyed the hell out of that. Uh, you seen that? I've seen a little bit of it, but not this season. The yeah the la- the the last two seasons is what I watched, and that it's uh it's like an L.A. based head coach, uh, Coach Brown, and it was just he's so, he's so foul mouth. Uh, but what I loved about it is that almost at the end of every episode. The guy's smoking a cigar. Oh. And there's even one scene, I think in, in, in season three or four, where where you can see on his desk, he's got CLE products. And then he even wow. mentions, at, at one point he mentions, yeah, you, the people, he says, because his fame was growing, right? And people were starting to get to know who he was. And he goes, yeah, people are sending me stuff. And then he turns around and he's like, look, these cigars, these were sent to me by the, the guy, Aroa. That's funny. And even, yeah, he mentions Christian. Though. He's like, the guy, Aro, he, uh, he's the guy that used to own Camacho or something like that, he says. So I thought that was interesting. That yeah. There's there's cigars uh, almost in every episode. And then he knows enough. Not every consumer is going to smoke CLE and be able to tell you he's the guy who used to have Camacho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, the guy was a, uh, an enthusiast for sure. Nice. And, and, and you see in some episodes, even some of his staff starts to get into it. Uh, it's like smoking cigars at his house after a game or whatever. So anyway, that, that was fun. And... Uh, so, yeah, if you dig that, you want to say, although football season is literally starting tomorrow. But, um, but anyway, last chance you on Netflix. I like that. Good stuff. All right. So with that, um, I will do our shameless plugs before we throw to that interview with Alejandro. Uh, you can follow us all over the social media things at Cigar Snob Mag. Find episodes of the podcast at CigarSnobMag.com slash podcast. Uh, send us any feedback at feedback at CigarSnobMag.com or write us on all the social media stuff. But we like email. Um, remember to tweet us your prediction for the UMUF game. Right? Yeah, don't forget that. Do that before kickoff. You might win a shirt. Uh, include the score, not just the winner. You got to be the one, the first one to correctly guess the score. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think that's all the that's all the stuff. So thanks for listening. And here is that interview that we did in Mexico City with Alejandro Suarez. Later, y'all. Adios. So let's start with um, uh, an explanation of. Of what you do in cigars, because I think for somebody who uh, 
is a smoker in the United States, they may not realize that elsewhere there's a little bit different because in the U.S. there aren't distributors who work with all the people that you work with. Yeah, obviously it's a different market. The, the Mexican market has been oriented more to Cuban cigars for a long time, but now it's booming to uh, people are like wanting to try new options, you know, uh, price-wise, Sabanos uh, uh, have skyrocketed and uh, people like to try different things, especially from Nicaragua, obviously also the Dominican Republic. The market is not as mature, so uh, what we do is that there's a few companies that, uh, that import cigars into Mexico. We, we, we've been working uh, since 1996, our company. Our first distributor was the Fuente Newman Families, which we are very, uh, um, what can I tell you? We are attached uh, emotionally to, 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 to their company because they have been great support for us you know, throughout these years. And now that the market is maturing, uh, there's like new people, uh, podcasts, uh, fan pages, and uh, many different channels that are uh, now uh, growing. It's interesting for us because we've been waiting for this for so many years, you know, for the market to, to get to the point where, where it's getting now. Cigar lounges are appearing. Uh, with uh, along with the culinary scene in Mexico, you know, like uh, food and mezcal, tequilas, uh, cigars, uh, even Mexican brands like the one you're smoking now, you know, uh, Casa Torrent, it's getting uh, big, you know. Uh, obviously, we are not, the, the Mexican industry is not as mature as the one in Nicaragua or the DR because we don't have access to all the different leaves uh, to an international, it's not an international production uh, powerhouse, Mexico, but uh, we have like our own tobacco and uh, our own uh, culture in, in, in tobacco, you know, so we are very proud of what we do. We are a small industry still, but uh, it's growing and uh, we're having fun, we're making friends and uh, I think it's going there in the right direction. So talk a bit about um, of the larger cities in Mexico that a traveler might find themselves in. What is the cigar lounge scene especially? Because if you're a tourist, you're probably not going to go to a store. You want to go somewhere that you can spend some time, maybe like at Casa Turrent where, where we are now. There's a food menu too. Um, what does that scene look like in Mexico City? And what about some of the other you know, destinations in Mexico? Uh, what is, how does this compare to, let's say, Monterrey or some other places? Yeah, obviously Mexico City, it's always the starting point of everything. Everything that happens in Mexico City will uh, eventually evolve in other cities, especially Monterrey and Guadalajara. In Monterrey, and now there's like the young crowd following, you know. And uh, in Monterrey, the Casa Vitola, it's a great place where business people, you know, there's a lot of uh, manufacturing companies based there, or Querétaro, which is also growing very much, so I, I would really recommend they go to Casa Vitola in Monterrey. Here in Mexico City, you went to Delegados last night, it's a great option. Here in Polanco, Casa Turrent, also in, in Roma Condesa, Cigar Point, it's, it's a, nice, a nice spot to smoke, and as I was telling you before, there are many restaurants here in, in the Polanco area that carry cigars and have cigar terraces and places where to smoke so uh, there's a whole 
there's a lot of options here to smoke cigars still and have a nice scotch or whiskey or whatever. Guadalajara, it's becoming like a super boom town now, very oriented to technology. You know, the, it's like the Mexican Silicon Valley. So uh, now there, there's places like Amaris Tobacco. There's a new place called the Blend House, which uh, it's like a two-story uh, antique, not, not antique, but like a 19th century house. And uh, there, uh, it's going to be great with salons and uh, for private meetings and uh, great humidor, maybe 300 different uh, vitolas there you can find. So, uh, uh, well, now there's a Casa Lavano, obviously Casas de Lavano are Mexico is the number one country in, in Casas de Lavano. There's Cancun, Playa del Carmen, Guadalajara is opening a new lounge there in the financial district. So uh, there's many options. There's many options besides uh, restaurants, and it's growing. It's growing now. So you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, that the non-Cuban cigars are sort of between the Mexican cigars and, and the Nicaraguans and the Dominicans are starting to take, you know, more and more of the shelf space. Where is it that you see the shift in demand coming from? Are, are Mexican uh, smokers maybe consuming uh, media that covers or reviews non-Cuban cigars? Is it just a sense of maybe geeky wanting to explore? Uh, what's what's sort of driving that shift? Yeah, I, I guess that, that the driving force now, it's uh, basically fan pages in Facebook and Instagram, you know, like elsewhere. Uh, there's a new young crowd that here it's much about lifestyle still, you know, like uh, people want to follow, people want to follow the trend and uh, get into the cigar world to be a part of it, to belong to, to this new hype that it's emerging. So uh, basically those are like the driving, uh, like, yeah, social media, I would say, due to all the restrictions, publicity restrictions that are, I mean, uh, all over the world, happening all over the world. Uh, it's just the same, you know, like uh, I would say uh, social media, it's... Uh, the, the, the source now for marketing new consumers. And, you know, it's shifting from uh, traditional smokers, you know, uh, to a more party scene, to a more relaxing scene. And it's, yeah, I would say it's like a more democratic uh, crowd now, no? It's that it's emerging here in the market. Uh, what are some of the things that excite you the most about the direction that the Mexican cigar culture is moving? It excites me how it's, uh, I mean, it's merging with uh, the uh, restaurant scene. Uh, I, I really like that. Now the Habanos Day, it's like a great event here in the Cuban embassy. Uh, it's like the best Habanos Day in the world. Maybe there were like 3,000 people uh, this year in, in, in the Cuban embassy. And all these top brands, uh, coming into Mexico are giving uh, different profiles, the different cigar profiles to uh, a young crowd that uh, it's eager to try new things and, and to explore different flavors now, you know, and, and different formats. So uh, it's opening a new panorama to, uh, to uh, mostly what used to be a closed market. It's becoming like everything else in Mexico. Uh, it's like for the young crowds coming into the global 
uh, trends, you know, like from Europe and, and the States, I would say. So uh, just to, to kind of wrap it up, you know, moving away from cigars a little bit, suppose that you had a friend who had never been to Mexico City, they're going to be here for a few days. What are some of the things that you say, okay, you can't leave Mexico City without doing this, this, and that? Maybe it's a restaurant, maybe it's a bar, maybe it's a museum, could be anything. What are your, if you were giving a friend a tour, what are some of the places that you would go? Obviously, all the Polanco area has like a wide variety of options from high-end shops to and restaurants to very nice museums with uh, international like now there's like uh, in there there is uh, Hume, the Humex Museum and the Somoya Museum by Carlos Slim they have now uh, like great uh, Rodan uh, and other sculptures uh, uh, exhibitions and exhibits I would say uh, you could combine culture traditional culture The, the National Museum of Anthropology and come to places like this, have a cigar, fill the city and uh, I would say go to the the restaurants. I mean it doesn't have to be like many many people are coming to Mexico as a global Mexico City it's becoming a global hotspot because of its food. You know, it's food it's like I mean you can find great food anywhere in the world in any I mean you can go anywhere to global uh, capitals in the world. But the difference here is that most of the restaurants here have like a root on Mexican flavors that you can discover that you could not even imagine and how they are merging with international uh, uh, culinary uh, cultures. So I would say go to a few restaurants, go to two or three museums and, uh, and see the architecture, obviously, the center, the, the historic center In Mexico City, La Plaza de la Constitución is great to see, and uh, the, the, as I as I said before, Museo de Antropología, a few cigar lounges, and uh, you can do some shopping here. I mean, it's it's a big city. Here you can do anything you want to do. So, uh, and I, I know that I said that we were wrapping up there, but I think one other thing again, because you know we're uh, sort of speaking to the the traveler. I think a lot of people probably have uh, for lack of a better word an exaggerated or maybe hyperbolic sense of what sort of danger they're going to encounter when they're in Mexico or in Mexico City I mean I, I put out I, I think I posted on Facebook or something to say hey, I'm going to be in Mexico City does anybody have recommendations and of course some people who had been said oh, of course yes you have to do this this and this and this and some people were familiar but there were other people who said why are you going to because there's this image To some degree, it's well-founded because there are people who are from here will also tell you, yeah, you got to watch out for your stuff. You may be, you know, whatever. How would you describe that part of traveling to Mexico City? I would tell you, I mean, it's like any big, uh, any other big city in the world. I mean, if you go to L.A. or Chicago or if you go to New York, you want to keep away from the dangerous places at night. I mean, if you come down here, I mean, you should be, keep yourself safe, you know, uh, You should ask the people you're staying with where are the safe areas and where you shouldn't be in. But if you, as, as you could see and enjoy tonight, tonight is a Thursday night, and you can see what's going on here. I mean, everything is super cool and there's no problem. Yeah. Perfect. I think with that we're going to wrap up. Is there anything else that we didn't touch on that you would want to make sure that we throw in? 
I mean, just come, enjoy, take care of yourself, have a nice drink, a cigar, and uh, that's all.